It's the 6th of the 1st. I'm Arthur Falls, and this is Beyond Bitcoin. In the second half of 2014, we saw the emergence of a new breed of crypto token with a value somewhat independent of the demand for the token itself. Some of these track the value of the US dollar, or even gold, and are designed as a means to effectively transport value through time and space. But not in the classic Mises money substitute sense, like a note representing ownership of an underlying asset. Instead, they do it through extremely clever market wizardry. All the benefits of a cryptocurrency with the stability of fiat. One of these tokens is the Nubit, and today Ben Rossi joins to explain how the platform works. Before we get into that though, I'd like to announce, with a pang of nostalgia, that this will be the second to last episode of Beyond Bitcoin. It's been a great ride, and I hate to put a final word on anything, but at least for the time being, I'd like to work on some other projects. This has been my first effort at content creation, and with the support of the many characters I've met along the way, it's been an absolute blast. I'd like to take this moment to thank several people who have been especially helpful. First and foremost, the mildly psychotic BitShares community member, Fuzznuts, who was extremely supportive in the beginning. This would never have got off the ground without you. Adam Levine, who through Let's Talk Bitcoin introduced me to this entirely new world and went on to give me a platform to share this passion with others who are also interested and not just my board mates. Also Nikolai Mashigian, the first person I ever interviewed, who introduced me to Michael Dean, the freedom fiend, thanks to you too and you, the listeners. It's your support and participation that has made this such a rewarding adventure. 2014 was huge, and 2015 will be much bigger. We have Open Bazaar bringing a parallel crypto economy to the entire globe, BitSquare allowing easy entrance of capital through a decentralized service, Ripple is remitting, counterparties partying, Ethereum, well, they're doing pretty much everything, there is so much going on, it's hard to know where to focus. Personally, I'm taking a step back from the Apollonian and intend to look at some of the philosophical underpinnings of this movement, the social, cultural and intellectual environment in which it's germinating, and where we can expect it to go in the future. So please, if you have any reading suggestions, get in touch. There is a huge list of subjects and projects I wanted to explore and people I wanted to speak to. It's impossible to do everything though, so for the last episode I intend to track down just a couple of guys I met at Bitcoin South who were profoundly interesting and also look at an amazing white paper, an architecture for the internet of money. As of this moment, little of the next episode has actually been recorded, so it might take a little organising, but we want to go out with something pretty decent. As already said, today it's new bits which, if you flick over to a brave new coin or coin market cap right now, you'll see trading within a hair of the price of the US dollar. I've got you in an elevator right now, so the, uh, the 30-second elevator pitch would be, we love cryptocurrency, we love what the teams for Bitcoin, for you know all of the innovations that have come after it, things proof of stake, um, anonymity, you know, they're these great, great uh, technologies, not just from a monetary sense, but you know, I see blockchain technology as being a, an under, you know, a fundamental underpinning of where technology goes in the future. 
being able to split things up, um, distribute them across, you know, both for safety and just to be able to protect um, both the participants and the, the network itself, you know, is going to be very important. What Jordan Lee, the creator of new, um, it's not that he came up with it necessarily, but he was the first to try to, you know, push through an implementation, um, ByteMaster being the other one, um, and I'm sure that there were others before this, but that had not come to total fruition. Um, and now I'm going on a minute versus 30 seconds. But uh, the the main pit, you know, the idea that we're that we're trying to build on is we love the ability to be speculative on cryptocurrency, but to be speculative means that it makes it very very difficult to use the transactional currency. Um, you identified that earlier on, you know. If things are stable, which is a great transactional currency, it makes it very difficult to make money and to speculate on it, uh, something that right now is very important to the communities. So the idea of being able to split it into two fungible units that could be independently valued but would work you know, in concert with one another um, really is what attracted me to the project once I, you know, once I was in informed about what we were doing. Because I had originally come on to join the PeerShares team, um, which is what kind of was the starting point for where New came, you know, came from. And when Jordan introduced this concept to us, you know, it took me a little while to really get my mind around it. But once I did, I, I realized it was a, you know, going to be a game changer one way or another. I guess uh, I didn't actually, uh, I didn't actually ask you to introduce yourself. So <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So would you? Introduce yourself and then also explain how you got involved with PeerShares in the first place. Sure. Um, my name is Ben Rossi. Uh, I live in the United States. And I got into cryptocurrency uh, probably like a lot of people did during the 2013 period when uh, Bitcoin was doing all sorts of really interesting things and the media started to pick up on it. Um, I'd originally actually come across it back in about 2010. And at the time, I didn't feel that I was technical enough to really dig into getting mining working and you know everything like that. But uh, like a lot of you, I, I picked up the coolest hardware at the time, which was um, you know a Butterfly Labs miner. Um, I then waited a long, long time for it to be delivered, and by the time it actually arrived, uh, the difficulty of Bitcoin had jumped up quite a bit more than what my my miners were going to be able to handle. So I started to look for alternatives, uh, came across Peercoin, and started to mine Peercoin, you know, buy, buy Bitcoin on the side because it made more sense at that point than buying new mining hardware. And over time, got involved in that community. Um, Jordan Lee, the inventor, uh, well, the, I guess, major proponent of, um, of new and the, the developer of uh, the concept, had been working on a con uh, product called NewShares, and the idea was to be able to set up a blockchain, a customized blockchain for businesses, for organizations, for individuals, um, that they could be able to offer their own equity and then be able to do a dividend distribution um, using you know, a cryptocurrency different from the, the shares themselves. Um, and so originally I just started doing quality assurance work with them, um, and, you know, in general, helping to, to spread that message. And about uh, two or three months later, you know, I was introduced to New, and we had started building it in earnest in about March 
yeah, February, March of this year. So that's that's the roundabout of uh, how I got to where I am. You know, as I tell my my kids, the job I have today is not a job that I think I would have ever imagined myself doing because it didn't exist at the time that uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that. So of course not. No. So what is the uh, what is the organization structure like at uh, or behind the scenes of Nubits? Um, so the new team is all over the world. Uh, we've kind of assembled a, a group of people. Uh, both from the development side and from the community um, and marketing sides. Uh, Jordan Lee had actually never met, which still, you know, my wife gets a chuckle out of it that uh, you know, I do work with somebody that uh, I've never actually been in the physical room with. Um, so Jordan uh, heads up the organization as the chief architect. Um, Sig Mike. Mike is our, our lead developer who has done you know, some amazing things with, uh, with the code. Um, we've got two or three uh, quality assurance people. We've got a couple, both full-time and part-time marketing working on the side. And then we've got a, a really great community that's, a lot of them have come from the PeerCoin community, but then also a lot um, that have migrated in from either other cryptocurrencies or um, from the financial and, and economic sides. So, you know, it's, nobody is... Uh, is the one main point, um, but you know everyone together makes for a really good team. And I know, um, I guess I, I want to talk more about the team a little bit later when we go into custodians, because I Absolutely. know you guys have a really interesting, uh, a really in interesting model for you allowing the shareholders to uh, award funds to individuals to perform certain tasks in support of of the network and mm -hmm. the uh, and the economy itself. So I'd like to talk more about um, about that when we get into custodians. But before we get into that, I'd like to look at um, how the the unit of exchange, the new bit, as opposed to the unit of stake, the new share, how the unit of exchange maintains its stable value uh, so reliably, because it has been stable for quite a while, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, crossing fingers that I'm not going to turn over and look at... Uh Coin market cap right now and see something that I don't expect, but, but you know, all things considered, it's uh, it's done very well uh, for about three months now since we launched. We've been able to to maintain that one dollar mark, you know, within a about a cent either way, but uh, usually right on that that one dollar um, average point. So I mean, to to talk a little bit about how it works, you know, actually we'll touch a little bit on the custodian um, custodian idea that you just brought up. So the way that we maintain it is artificial. Uh, you know, something that if we were to let it organically um, try to make the market, like anything, you know, you're going to have speculation depending on supply, on demand at any given time. And so what New does is it uses this concept of a custodian, which is a community member, um, a business. You know, long term, we really have no idea who is going to attempt to be a custodian, but the idea is that the custodian has a job to do, and right now the, the major custodians we have are our market maker custodians, and so they set up both large and buy and sell walls and effectively lock the price in um, kind of within a very narrow margin. Um, so far it's, it's worked very well. Um, we're adding exchanges on a, on a pretty frequent basis. 
We have automated trading bots um, that we have open sourced and they're available for the custodians to use. They're available for other people to use as well. It's called NewBot. Um, and what NewBot does is it takes a look at the exchange rates, um, takes a look at you know, the information that the custodian is, has added as the options, and it moves the buy and sell walls um, to keep within that $1 exchange range. So if this is a, a new bit USD market, it's pretty easy. We basically say you know, the sell wall is slightly higher than $1 to take account for any um, exchange commission fees. Um, and then the, the buy wall is a little bit lower than $1 again, to take, advantage, or to take uh, into account any commission fees. And so if somebody buys new bits, they buy them for a dollar, or they buy them from somebody, not the custodian, you know, in that little interstitial area between the, the two walls. Um, but they're able to get it at that price point. And when they go to sell it, so there's a, an available wall for them to, to sell back into if there's not actually people you know, buying it at some price point a little slightly above it. And um, again, you know, we've been able to maintain it both on our supported markets, which I believe that there's six or seven of them now, um, CCEDK and uh, Better being the two of our largest ones. And then there's a couple of smaller, um, what I'll call un unsupported markets, but uh, they've actually seems like they've been maintaining about the same level uh, of pricing. It's probably a little bit of an arbitrage, um, also probably a little bit of just market discovery has helped people say, well, we think that the price is worth this, so that's what we'll price it at. You guys have pretty good volume. How much of that volume is coming from the custodians that are supplying liquidity, and how much of it is genuine use? How much? Because I presume right now people are using Nubits to hedge against uh, other currencies like like Bitcoin. You know, they're, they're using mm -hmm. it as a stable uh, as a stable hedge. I'm wondering what, uh, how much of it is for that purpose and how much of what we're seeing is, is trading volume initiated by the custodians for, uh, for other purposes? So as far as I, I know in talking to the custodians, I do part of my, my job is you know, kind of custodian outreach and helping to build the tools that they can use to, to help spread messages to the, um, or to spread information, I guess, things like reporting to the community. Um, in the early days, we had some issues with the the bots buying and selling kind of their walls as volatility of a particular cryptocurrency um, was very high. You know, we'd run into some wall collisions. Uh, the the new bot team has done a really great job over the last couple months to try to get rid of all of those edge cases. And so, at this point, any of the volume that I've seen, the best of my knowledge, is actually organic real volume. It's not the it's not the custodians buying and selling their own walls. It's you know people using it as a hedge, people using it as, you know, an internal kind of mechanism to to trade money of you know amongst themselves you know for themselves. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that I've heard people are using it for. You know, it's hard to get to really suss out the exact things that are going on because, you know, it is a pretty anonymous way that the trading happens. But from everything I've been able to tell, um, and it does correlate to areas or times of, uh, of high volatility amongst other cryptos, that we see a lot larger, um, you know, volume going on on a daily basis. But I, I believe that we're starting to get, you know, daily just organic 
trading back and forth going on um, as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to really proceed without digging into the uh, and digging into the custodian concept. So I suppose sure. let's just let's just go straight into custodians and uh, and could you explain how they where they get their funding from, where those mm -hmm. uh, where those new bits that they hold come from, uh, how they you know how they find themselves in uh, in that custodian role how they're selected and um what other roles they can play in the network absolutely so one of the the innovations and, and i believe that there were some other coins in the the past that had um limited versions of this but our, our protocol based voting is one of the things that i think new has has really pushed the envelope on so there's a couple different forms of it and specific to the custodians that there's a, a mechanism for shareholders to vote on issuing a grant of new bits to a custodian. And the way that the voting works is when you mint a block, so new, you know, for people who aren't aware, uses, we used POW for the first 400 blocks um, proof work to create the initial supply of new shares. The after the 400th block, so block 401 going forward, it switched completely to proof of stake. Um, it uses a variation on the the Peercoin proof of stake, where we've uh, extended it to try to get rid of as many of the um, perceived vulnerabilities, uh, you know, for things um, like nothing at stake and. Um, Know, the the network fragmentation and things but what we've we've done is by having when you mint a block you're allowed to cast a vote um, you can cast a vote for a grant you can cast multiple votes for multiple grants you know in, in that same block you can vote on what we call the parking rates and we can talk a little bit about those a little later and then you can also vote on um, these kind of community initiatives uh, that we call motions so the way that a, a custodian becomes a custodian is somebody will, right now we use our, our forums, uh, discuss.newbits.com, but a, somebody, a prospective custodian will say, I intend to do something. It's going to be, you know, this to support the network. It's going to cost, you know, it's going to require this number of new bits. And, you know, here's what I plan to do once I have them. Um, if more than 50% of the people minting at that time, um, in addition to 50% of, more than 50% of the coin age that's destroyed or the share age that's destroyed, um, are voted, you know, vote for it in a 10,000 block period. The motion passes, the protocol automatically generates the, um, the new bits that were requested and deposits them into an address that was specified. A vote is only valid if a majority of the, uh, of the blocks minted in that period are votes are cast in those blocks right correct and so not only does it for a vote to pass does a majority of those blocks have to include a vote but it also must achieve a majority within that majority of blocks correct correct yes so those are the two so there's actually two dynamics going on there so people can't be you can't have a completely passive uh passive shareholder population for uh, for votes voting to proceed, correct? Ab absolutely. As part of the reason that the the way that the distribution for share uh, for new shares had gone was that it, 
know, a lot of a lot of people had complained about it being insular, and that you know it was a well, you got invited to be a shareholder, or you requested to be, and then um, Jordan Lee and and who he was working with to select you know this initial batch of shareholders, um, you know, were be able to to buy into the shares. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that to protect the network up front, because this is a little different than just having say. You know, I own a bunch of Peercoin, I mint with them, I receive my proof of stake reward for the block, and you know, I'm I'm happy to just continue to do what I'm doing. Um, there is an active participant, you know, you need to because every block that's solved um, without a vote for something is effectively a disagreement with, you know, the vote that's being uh, the, what is being voted on. So we needed to make sure that the, not that it was uh, sycophantic in any way, but we needed to make sure that, you know, the early days at least until we could get the, the network protected um, and stable and everything like that, you know, it had to do with people who were going to be active participants, who were going to be asking questions, who were going to be challenging the, you know, the custodian grant requests and things. So it, it definitely is important. and. You know, it's part of the reason that we felt that new shares are, you know, there's an added um, component that really, in our opinion, helps motivate people to actually mint, where in the past it is a little bit more passive. Um, you know, your vote counts. I think there's no really better way to say it. I looked at investing in new shares when it first came about, but uh, yeah, the, the barrier to entry was far too high, and also I'm... I wasn't prepared to in invest so much time, so much cognitive effort into what I saw was not just an investment, but actually a project as well. It's something that takes a very active involvement, not something that you can just buy a whole, you know, buy and pray, you know, which is yes. typically my style of investment. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it is, and like the early days, um, I'll draw the allusion to the early days of the, the Bitcoin network, not insofar as the, the similarities between them, um, other than, you know, there weren't a lot of tools that made it easy to use Bitcoin. I mean, I look at my own experience back in 2010, you know, there was, I'm pretty sure, Bitcoin talk and a few other things at that point, um, and that was about it. And so to get the information, you had to dig in and, you know, it really was intimidating as an outsider. Um, but as I, as we looked at where new is going, we're trying to build the tools that make it easier to understand things like what motions are being voted on right now, you know, quick links to get to those motions, you know, what's the outstanding, um, liquidity pools look like so that when somebody says, well, I need X amount of, you know, a grant for this amount, you know, somebody who's a, a perspective, um, or a shareholder who's going to vote on this can look at a effectively a report and say, well, I, I don't think that that's really needed because it looks like we're pretty well covered across you know all of the the exchanges we're looking at. So the tools still need to be developed, and I definitely understand you know where you're coming from. I mean, I work on the team and I try to you know it's an effort to keep up with everything that the community is putting forward and, and you know what votes are going on. Um, but we we really hope over the next you know months and years to continue to build services and, and to watch an ecosystem of people who want to offer services 
things like data feeds um, to help a shareholder you know, maybe not vote a particular way, but at least understand what their votes mean and things like parking rates to understand um, you know, what's a good yield curve and you know, how best to vote for it. So we, we have a lot of work to do, you know, no doubt about that, but I think that the important part was building the bones that allow us to, to extend it. And the client looks amazing as well. The client looks amazing, feels great to use, really simple, it makes total sense. You can actually understand a lot about PearShares just from opening up the client or uh, PearShares. Um, well. <laughs> I know, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been pouring over all this, uh, all this stuff. Um, no problem. Uh, a, a lot about new bits and and new shares. Just by looking at the client, you can you can it makes sense. It's so simple. Uh, although to be fair, the my first order of business was to send my newly purchased uh, new shares to my new bits account, um, or, you know, to my new bits address, <laughs> which you know was obviously a bit of a headache to uh, to tidy up. But those are the growing pains. Um, we were talking about voting. There are there are three kinds of voting available on the in the client custodian vote park rate vote and the motion vote um now we we've touched on the custodian vote um i guess the one other thing i wanted to talk about with a custodian vote is what other roles other than providing liquidity do you envision custodians playing i i think the you know to use the old cliche the sky's the limit um is particularly apt here because like a lot of the technology that's come out around the blockchain, you know, if you'd asked somebody two years ago, well, is somebody going to be able to build a distributed storage system like storage, you know, on the blockchain and actually put it into practice, you know, you, you'd get people going, well, yeah, I mean, it's theoretically possible, but, you know, nobody had really taken the effort to, to really do it. So the way that I look at what custodians can do is today they're really focused on providing liquidity and providing stability, but we have custodians right now who are handling things like, you know, building a an official um, Android, you know, Nubit's Android wallet. Um, and so there, uh, there was a custodian who put in a small request for it was about thirty six hundred or thirty eight hundred um, Nubits to to finance this, and they will be then financing it managing the, the project, working with the developer, and you know, ultimately releasing it to the community. So their role you know, is completely different from somebody like uh, Kiara Tom, who is handling you know, the, who put out the initial uh, liquidity um, custodian grant that really kind of spun up the, the network, where she's handling you know, the exchange, Nubot, everything like that. So I see you know, both the the control of new bits in terms of supporting the network. I see it in supporting the larger um, system. I could see eventually, you know, somebody coming up and saying, "Hey, I want to do. Um, I need you know some new bits to do support for, say, vendor outreach or, you know, being able to start uh, a remittance business. I mean, there's all sorts of things. You know, maybe I want to be able to bank. Who knows." Um, and I use bank in the uh, air quotes term because, you know, <laughs> I don't want to give people the wrong idea about, um, you know, where things can go. But, but in a distributed consensus-based network like this, you know, if the shareholders all agree that this is a good idea and this being, 
whatever um, somebody has brought to the community, you know, we can find a way to support it. Um, how do uh, how do new shares come into how do new bits come into existence? You know, you were, you were mentioning that um, someone, uh, a custodian, is awarded new bits based mm-hmm. on, uh, but you know, based on a vote. Uh, so, how do those new bits that they're awarded? How do they come into existence? So, the way that the protocol is set up is that it's all automated. Um, when a vote is going on, the the voters are putting in basically a a, a key pair of. Um, a custodian's address and then the amount that they're requesting. And so as more and more blocks you know, are minted and they contain both that the pair of the address and the amount, when it reaches the, the tipping point of, of consensus, the protocol itself generates the um, requested new bits and deposits them into that address. So it's a completely automated process. You know, the, the clients can all agree that Yes, you know, the stipulation of more than 50% of the votes in a 10,000 block uh, rolling window and more than 50% of the um, shared is destroyed, you know, for those votes matched up and therefore it effectively acts as a transaction or, you know, a, a stake reward that is then deposited into that, that electric or the electric custodian's um, new bits address. So that's the, the way that they're generated. And you know, it doesn't require somebody on our side to go, oh, you know, this passed, so let me you know, key something in and create them. And it's all, you know, all based on cryptography and the, and the system itself. So It's all on blockchain consensus. Absolutely. That is, it's quite a marvel. You know, that's, that's perfect. That's how these things are supposed to be. Uh, it's really cool that you guys have, uh, have managed to I guess develop something so elegant and just complete in its uh, in its implementation like that. It's awesome. Well, thank you. I, I would love to be say that I had you know a hundred percent hand in doing it, but no, I, I would have to defer to to Jordan and Mike, who you know definitely are the um, you know the, the elegance and the genius comes from from the two of them. So. This episode's sponsor, Bit38Wallets.com, brings quality, durable, encrypted paper wallets to the masses. They're my choice of cold storage solution, if that matters to anyone. They're flexible enough to fit in your legacy wallet. The range of designs available look great. There are numerous customization options. And given the low price of both the units themselves and international shipping, if you want a durable paper wallet, you can easily afford one. It's interesting. You've got um, you've got these key players that really do ha- you know have this uh, this you know this intellectual capital in these in these platforms like uh, like New um, mm-hmm. resides in these individuals with great uh, vision and um, and with the ability to execute these ideas. It's it's really amazing. It's awesome. You know, and especially it must be co- you know cool that this uh, this community is rallied around these you know this small group of uh, of developers and uh, and architects, I, I think part of it too that is really helpful, at least in the the case of new, is that when new shares, um, when the concept was was originally pitched, you know Jordan had received um, external funding. You know I, I don't know who 
who that particular investor was. Um, but the investment was basically to build this network. You know, the he had been convinced, or she, or they, or whoever had been convinced that what Jordan had envisioned was was worth doing. And so, you know, we'd received a at the time. Um, even before I was on it, a, a basically about a five hundred thousand um, dollar investment to build the system. So what that gave was the ability to do this in a I'll call it a professional sense, where we could actually have people full time working on it um, without having to try to do an an ICO or to try to you know solicit funds up front to build something. Um, you know, it really gave us a chance to build this, make sure it worked, um, and then release it. And so, you know, there was a lot less pressure of, you know, we didn't have some of the startup pains of trying to get, you know, try to find funding so that next month we could actually pay people to work on this. So, you know, I I think that that combined with the the team um, that has assembled, you know, has really made it a joy to work on. Now, we haven't covered yet how exactly the park rate vote goes, but I think I can probably imagine. Um, regardless, would you, uh, could you explain just in detail how the, how the park rate vote operates and how that, uh, how that particular information enters into the blockchain and consensus, consensus is achieved? Absolutely. Um, I think that where we probably want to start with it is you know, about parking in general and what the intent is. Um, so one of the the benefits of the new system is obviously that you know on blockchain we can grant new new bits to inflate the supply you know to meet a, a given demand. I mean that's important because if we didn't have enough supply, you know, obviously people are going to start to to raise up the price and push up the price. And so by having effectively an infinite supply, we can basically say, you know, we need more new bits. You know, there is a, a spike in demand. Let's put them out there. The contrary side of that, though, is that, you know, deflating the supply or locking down the supply, you know, without a burn function, which the community is talking about, um, makes it difficult to, to rein in, you know, excessive supply. And so what the park rates allow us to do is to offer effectively a, um, an annual interest rate for a given duration of taking your new bits out of circulation. And so let's say that you, know, you have a bunch of new bits and there's an oversupply. The shareholders can begin to vote for different durations, you know, as short as, um, I believe it's as short as one block. Um, you know, but let's, for, for actual practical sense, you know, it would be something like a day. Um, to you know, two three years uh, ahead of time, where you would put new bits into a park, or the, basically you'd park your new bits, and at the end you would be given back the new bits that you had parked, along with whatever the um, the accrued uh, annual interest rate, you know, would it would work out to be. So it, the voting works in such a way that. I, as a shareholder, let's say, would cast a vote for an annual interest rate of 1% for, you know, holding your, your new bits for one month. Because at this point, you know, we don't really need to, to have people holding their new bits in because we don't have an oversupply problem. 
But let's say that over time, you know, we start to see that maybe there are too many new bits in circulation. Um, shareholders can begin to vote, you know, raise it to, to 2% or to 3% or to 5%. Um, you know, it gives us some flexibility there. And like a lot of the, the great criticism over the, the last couple of months, you know, as we've released, you know, we have work to do in terms of being able to really make it so that things like new, you know, new bits could actually be completely destroyed um, through a concept of like a, a burn versus a park. But um, for the, the short term, it gives us a lot of power in being able to say, you know, how we can maintain, um, we being the, the shareholders or, you know, the general community can, uh, can really keep the, the environment and keep the network um, running smoothly without, you know, spikes both in, in supply and demand. And so when uh, when this vote's going on, because yeah, right, that was the necessary preamble for uh, for actually yes. discussing <laughs> how the vote proceeds. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, so I guess yeah, when, once the vote is in progress, you know, and you're casting it just like you are a custodian vote or a motion vote, and so you're voting for a duration, you're voting for a, an annual interest rate on that duration. Um, the pro you know, the client will then convert that annual interest rate into you know the effective rate for the the block itself uh, or the duration itself and as as blocks are minted those votes are cast um, what it it takes is basically it looks at all of the votes that have come in and it starts to to give you some averages on on where people are voting and so it doesn't require consensus on a a given value i mean it could be that 30 percent are voting for a one percent annual interest rate the votes for the annual interest rate are going to be aggregated and you know, you're going to get to kind of a median point on it and what that allows us to do is is not lock the the network into oh well you voted for 1.99 percent you know, you were an outlier versus everyone else voting at, at 2.0, um, or maybe everybody is voting for something different, you know, from 1.99 to 2.99. Um, and so it, it, it is kind of self-fluctuating uh, based on, on what people are voting and what the rates they're voting for. And how is consensus achieved upon a single rate? Um, you know the the details on that. Let me make sure I'm clear on it. Um, the way that it works is where a vote is done on a ten thousand block uh, rolling window for things like custodian grants and um, and motion votes. When the voting is done for park rates, because we need it to respond a lot quicker than basically a one week window. Um, need to make sure that my numbers are right but if I recall correctly it's looking at basically like a 24-hour window worth of votes um, you know, it's one of those things that I could have told you 30 seconds ago and now it's uh, not popping into my mind what the actual uh, block count it, it needs to be but um, but it does allow you know, fluctuation on like a effectively a daily basis as opposed to fluctuation on like a weekly basis. It is quite a tricky thing to do, isn't it? Because you then you do need that feed, that constant voting from the shareholders to to make sure that you've got this uh, 
to make sure that you've got the data to correctly set the um, the voting the voting rate. Absolutely. The interest rate. Yeah, the part of the benefit that we have is that because the network at this point, we don't believe that it's saturated with, with too many new bits in existence. Um, we have some time between when park rates really need to be something that is integral to the system. I mean, right now they're a, a nice to have as opposed to a, if they didn't exist, the network would fall apart. Um, and so, you know, the, the plan is to develop the tools and develop the feeds and develop the systems that allow people to understand what's going on, you know, within the system, um, within the network to then make it so that it's as simple as possible um, to make sure that you're voting, you know, in the way that best, you know, suits you as a shareholder. So, you know, it's a, we, we wish we could be there faster, but like everything, you know, we're working on a financial product like this, we need to both leverage the, how quickly can we get a, a particular feature to market versus, you know, what is the long-term impact on doing this, both for the security of the network as a whole, for the security of the individual shareholders, for the individual users of new bits. Um, so, I mean, we, we take the job of quality assurances, you know, as, as important as possible because that's, that's, what makes us, you know, good in the eyes of our, our shareholders and prospective users for new bits is making sure that we can continue to provide the high level of uh, both technology, you know, the technology, but also that it works the way that it ex you know, it's expected to. The other vote that's really important and interesting is the motion vote. Could you explain how that takes place? Sure. So a motion, um, and at this point, you know, the best way to differentiate a motion from the custodian grants and the, the, the parking rates is that a motion vote is really a community sign of consensus as opposed to a protocol enforceable change. And so the benefit of a motion is that anyone could bring a motion um, you know, to ask or to request a, mo a vote on a motion and it uses a, um, a, a ripe MD160 hash basically of whatever the motion is and what they're asking the community is to say hey we would like you I mean, we I'd like the community or we'd like the community to vote on something like open sourcing the um, the source code and when we reach 50 percent we would you know it, it becomes kind of a gentleman's agreement to actually do that but the the system works because people will do whatever is is requested because if they don't it, it devalues any other motion that's going to come at a later time but the the main point is basically a way to gauge consensus in the community of shareholders um, in a way that doesn't just involve them going to the forums and going plus one I like that idea um, it, it's a you know a trackable piece of information in the blockchain that says X number of people voted for this over a given, you know, over that given 10,000 block rolling window, and more than 50% of the the votes that came in said that, you know, they uh, support whatever this particular motion would be. So, like I talked about before, some of the motions could be like a protocol change. You know, the, the protocol itself can't invoke change because the code has to be written, but the community of shareholders can say, you know, we would like you to 
implement a burn feature for new bits. You know, it's not there currently, but this gives us an idea as the development team, you know, where the community should, you know, wants us to go, what they want us to work on, um, open sourcing the, um, the source code is another um, motion that when you know, it, it reaches 50% you know, consensus amongst the shareholders that yes, this is something that they want to do. You know, we as a development team are you know, formally bound by our own ethical standards to do what they asked us to do. So it, it really gives the community a way to put forward their ideas, you know, make sure that that everyone is in agreement with the direct, or everyone being consensus in this case, is in agreement with the direction something's going in, and then allows us to take action to make it happen. So long term, you know, I would love to see uh, some automation done to to motions where something could actually be um, triggered as a smart contract when um, when that vote passes. You know, again, we're not quite there yet. And but I expect at some point in the future we will be. So there's this uh, there's this idea of a static social contract that you that you usually imagine and um, with these uh, with these platforms. And by including this motion vote idea, you've effectively allowed for the social contract of new shares to be changed according arbitrarily but still uh, according to consensus which is a unique feature that is entering into these 2.0 platforms slowly i don't, I don't really like the 2.0 um, analogy especially with regards to something like new shares which is not similar to some of the what is traditionally considered uh second gen um crypto but yeah it's uh that's a really key feature i think of of these platforms and and something that I suppose we're going to be seeing more of going forward or greater refinements of going forward mm -hmm. th through innovations like smart contracts like you said. Yeah, I, I think you know from a personal standpoint when I look at the blockchain and and what it is going to enable technology to do in the long term, I mean one of the things that really appeals to me the most and and why I was really excited once I saw that that new was going to at least attempt it is the idea of distributed consensus, you know, voting in things that are beyond just, you know, we voted for the fact that all of these transactions were valid. Um, you know, if anything great comes out of new, you know, beyond what we built so far, I would like it to be that people can take the idea of voting like this and extend it to, you know, applications that we've never considered. Um, you know, science fiction writers and, and futurists and um, political scientists have written for a long time about ways to build systems for um, community voting, you know, be it on a, a local, you know, national, you know, state, national, or world level. Um, but there have always been difficulties in, in being able to actually, you know, implement something like that. And not to say that, that the new system is the one that will totally answer all of those challenges, but seeing that there is a system out there that is working, I, I hope gives people a, you know, kind of a leg up to say, okay, well, we know that this works in this particular conditions. Um, you know, how can we extend it to work in, in other things? 
So yeah, to me, it's really exciting. I mean, the idea of, of pairing this with um, a smart contracting you know, scripting language, like I really am interested in what the Ethereum team is doing. Um, I'm interested in, in what, you know, a lot of these, uh, as you said, the 2.0, you know, BitShares has got some really interesting initiatives that I think are, are, are definitely worth you know, keeping an eye on, both from a, you know, competitive marketing standpoint, but I, I don't really like to think about competing with these coins as much as we're trying to build a niche that we can support. Um, but yeah, it's to me it's really exciting. I mean, this is the the stuff that you know. I hope that in the future, my kids, when they get to go and vote for something, you know, they're using something like a blockchain um, because it is a lot harder to manipulate than you know our existing systems. Uh, it's in, I'm glad you mentioned BitShares because uh, although it might be a little bit rude, um, that was my next question was. Uh, I wanted to contrast new shares and the whole new platform mm -hmm. and uh, and what they're doing at BitShares, if you don't mind, uh, because over there you've got this very fluid, um, or they're attempting to build a very fluid, unconstrained, free market approach to um, to a, a, a value-pegged uh, token. And mm -hmm. partly, I think, and then we have Nubits on this side, which has quite a rigid rigidly controlled value uh, you mm -hmm. know, with the approach you guys have taken and if we look at the two the two approaches and we look at the two resulting tokens you can see uh, a massive difference in how closely how closely the bit assets and uh, and new bits follow their pegs I, I think so I've done the the rudimentary um, digging into to bit shares um, I started following I three when they had originally um, what was the name of the um, original um, offering that they had oh, uh, the the, the mineable um, proto shares yeah proto shares apologize that that should have popped into my mind immediately <laughs> um, and you know I I'd found that really intriguing and and reading the work you know Bytemaster Dan's uh, his work there you know it really was interesting to me I mean. I think my personal opinion on where they're going is they have a lot of good going for them. They have a huge community of people who are really interested in it. Um, they do have a fragmentation and, and they've been taking care of a lot of, I think, some of the fragmentation concerns. But, you know, to me, we're trying to do one thing and we're trying to do it as well as we can. You know, I give them a lot of credit for building a very dynamic ecosystem. It, yeah, they. Uh, I actually may not include that just because it might be a bit. Um, yeah, it, it sounds a bit bad asking. Asking, it, it's it's ridiculous that there's this sense of competition in such a uh, such a such a, an emerging market, you know, in such an emerging space that um, you know there's room for more than one player. People treat it as zero sum, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, and you, you can't, you know, the idea of competing for the slot of. Uh, backbone of a new world economy and uh, and anyone else can uh, <laughs> you know is, is is in competition is completely ridiculous um and unbelievably audacious but people do have that have that uh that attitude like you said just because some things dis disagree with others world views yeah I, well i think you know i had a realization today as i was driving down the road as i look over and there's a a large kind of tanker truck that 
apparently they were carrying CO2, presumably for like a beverage refill for, say, a bar to fill up their CO2 tanks. And it made me realize that, you know, there's a niche for pretty much anything out there. I mean, somebody has figured out a way to make money tankering around, you know, CO2 um, to fill up these these tanks probably on location. And so I, I think there's room for everybody out there. Um, you know, nobody on the, the new team went into this by saying, you know, we're going to knock off Bitcoin or we're going to knock off Peercoin or we're going to knock off any of, you know, the existing, uh, you know, major coins or even minor coins out there. You know, it was, we're trying to meet the need, you know, that we don't see being met. And if at the end of the day we... You know, are successful in that, then we've we've done what we set out to do. Um, we need Bitcoin, you know, to exist because it helps. You know, they're the behemoth in the room that that spreads the message to you know, everybody. I mean, my mom knows about Bitcoin before I even started working on this project because she'd read about it, you know, somewhere. And you know, it's a lot harder for a team like ours to get that kind of market exposure right now. Um, until we have enough people realizing that what we've built is able to maintain the peg, you know, that they can, you know, walk in and out of it um, right where they expect to be and, uh, and use it transactionally like you know, our long-term goal is to see it used as. I have uh, one major question that always needs to be addressed, and sometimes it's kind of difficult to, is sure. what failure modes does, uh, does new shares potentially face? And in failure mode, you're you're looking for what are what are potential risks, you know, to the network that are kind of self-imposed based on. Yeah, what's what what is not covered by what you've you guys have done? What um, you know, it's it's funny. I've uh, I I was re-listening to an interview a while ago, and I used the phrase. I asked someone what black swan events uh, mm-hmm. might occur, which is of course you know it's a it's a self-contradictory statement. Black swan events are. By definition, events that you didn't, <laughs> couldn't possibly foresee. Um, do you see any potential areas of vulnerability to to the new platform? Sure. I mean, the I think vulnerabilities, especially in the early days of the network, um, when liquidity is not as high as you know our long term goal for it to be. Um, you know, there's going to be peg fluctuations if there's times of extreme demand or or extreme. Um, Sell pressure, you know, buy pressure or sell pressure. Um, the system itself is is set up to address them, but as you accurately pointed out, if the shareholders aren't timely, you know, responding in a timely fashion to it, you know, interest rates may not be where they should be for for parking, or you know, a rogue custodian could hoodwink the community for a long enough period of time that they were a force for good. And, you know, basically break their social contract with the community once they've been granted the shares. I mean, those are, are certainly risk positions, but I believe they're risk positions in a lot of things. I mean, the, you know, having new funds, I mean, because we deal in, in reserves, having things on exchange, if there's exchange default, those are also risks. Um, but again, as the network continues to expand, as we get more exchanges on board, you know, we can diffuse that risk because if one one side goes bad, we still have 16 sides that are good. Um, the other points, you know, a black swan event would be 
because we're using the U.S. dollar, and you know, it's somewhat controversial, obviously, in the the crypto space. That oh, well, you know, the U.S. dollar is inflationary, and it's completely you know unregulated in the rate of inflation based on what the the central banks and the Federal Reserve you know push out, um, and the banks themselves, you know, the what is created for things like issuing mortgages and, and general lending. Um, if the U.S. dollar were to have a catastrophic collapse or to have you know, adverse conditions, it's going to affect, obviously, new. Um, we've been trying to develop systems that will help mitigate that. I mean, the way that new was developed allows us to build additional tokens. Um, you know, we have envisioned things like you could have a new euro, you could have a new CNY, um, you could have a new basket of goods, and whatever that basket of goods, you know, CPI-based or um, who knows what, you know, we have uh, a lot of flexibility there. These are all things that the system is built to be able to withstand. But certainly, if if tomorrow, if hyperinflation set in, you know, it would be a challenge for us. Um, you know, Jordan talks about the uh, in the in the white paper at the, the end, basically, you know, what happens if USD becomes unstable? And, you know, you, looking at the USD for all of its, you know, the criticism you can level at it, it is the most stable, you know, fiat currency around right now. I mean, we have really no point of comparison to say that um, it's going to, to disappear, become obsolete, you know, at any point in the future. Um, we may have bigger problems at that point if, if uh, you know, if the U.S. dollar becomes obsolete, then, you know, what's going to happen to new? Uh, but again, that's that's my small, short-focused worldview. Um, well, I mean, what, what? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about uh, <laughs> the collapse of the of the U.S. dollar, it's. Uh, you know, it's we re really go through a point where there's just no you, there's no way we could know what's going on on the other side of Correct. on the other side of that little little conundrum. And, and and you know we can and we can you know the system is built like I said in a way to to get off of that at some point. And I fully believe that you know some of the work on side chains that's going on in in the crypto communities, um, you know these are things that could be adapted you know, by motion vote or otherwise, you know, into the system to make it so that people could basically cash in their existing new bits for whatever inflation-resistant, you know, token is available. Um, we don't have the systems in place to support that today, but I fully imagine that, you know, the creativity of the community and the development team, you know, can find a solution to to come up with, you know, in a timely manner to address these concerns. Now, I have, um, I noticed I've left two things unasked. Uh, sure. One, one which is way out of, I've left one thing that's way out of, uh, out of context now. Uh, but dividends. Yes. There, there are dividends, uh, dividend returns that you guys will generate from selling minted new bits. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could explain how those, how those work. Sure. So this is something that you know came in from the the peer shares core that we built, um, and you know the more I look at it, the more I realize that peer shares to an extent was built to be the the framework and the groundwork for what became new. 
um, in addition to being a you know a, vi a viable standalone solution. But the way that the the dividends work is all the clients allow you know anyone that, that is running the new wallet basically to be able to offer a dividend. Now, I don't expect that random people on the internet are going to you know log into their their new wallet and offer pure coins to the rest of the shareholders just arbitrarily. So this is typically going to be a custodian or you know some other uh, a special event. But basically what the system allows to do is each new share's address doubles as a pure coin address. Um, you know, it shares a, a it shares a hash scheme that, that creates it. But basically what it allows you to do is to import in these addresses into your your pure coin or pure unity wallet. And when somebody issues a dividend, it uses the, the pure coin blockchain um, to send out a proportionate amount of shares or a proportionate amount of pure coins from the dividend to each of the addresses that you imported in based on what percentage of ownership you know that address had in the new network. So, you know, an example would be uh, Kiara um, had issued a, a dividend. Um, I think it was for like sixty, but basically about sixty thousand uh, new bits worth of pure coin um, from sales of of new bits, and that went out to everybody who held new shares. You know, at the time that. Uh, you know, she could, she was able to customize the the distribution timing on it, but basically, you know, three days before the announcement was when you know she had said that anyone who holds shares three days before the announcement will be able to be granted you know this part of the dividend, and that it uses the the shared or not the shared blockchain, but it uses the peer peer coin blockchain to send out those peer coins. So it's a it's a very, in my opinion, an elegant way of being able to, you know. Offer a dividend um, that really is—I mean—is proportionate. It's immediate, and you know it's traceable in the blockchain. Now I'm wondering: we've got three tokens involved. It would—is it not possible to you to issue dividend in Nubits? Oh, we we certainly could. Um, the challenge of issuing dividends in Nubits is it becomes self-referential. So by having an you know, an external unit, and and PureCoin is the the one that we had originally selected because of the you know size of the blockchain. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't hyperly inflated. It is a, a good store of value. Well, it seems to be the pricing has fluctuated a bit, um, but by being able to use an external currency, it gives the the network the ability to not have to kind of be self-referential and use itself, right? So, if a dividend was issued in new bits, and new bits were dec you know declining in value for some you know, reason in the future, it's not a it's not a good incentive to continue to support the network as a, a new shares holder um, by having an external token that has value that is a separate blockchain. Um, you know, we believe that it, we leverage the a synergy between them. Um, rather than try to to kind of undermine one or the other, and um, and of course, new shares is represents another cutting edge platform that um, of a kind we haven't really seen before. It's it's really the next, uh, you know, I I don't like this next generation um, 
idea, but it really is. I mean, you know, we've we've now got we've had the we've had uh, tokens representing things other than just stake in a network, and then we've you know we've had uh, had the idea of smart contracts. You know, the, these are familiar things, but the idea of tokens with stable value is really new and uh, and incredibly powerful. I mean, you know, Bitcoin it will will never achieve adoption uh, by the consumer in its vanilla state. It's just not a marketable product. Um, but uh, but with um, with some of these other pegged currencies, yeah, I mean, who knows what we'll see? It's uh, it's really exciting. I think you know, interesting thing about the kind of the two moniker is you, know, you look at the web, and yeah, you know, I worked at AOL at the time when we were going through the the web two you know, thing. And so everything was web 2.0 this, web 2.0 that. And, you know, everyone was competing on these web 2.0 features, you know, which was really just Ajax, but nobody wanted to, to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounded a lot better when it was the cloud and the web and, you know, all of this. But um, I think that we're at the phase where it's going to be a lot more about, you know, the way that the web evolved into Node.js and, you know, Ruby had, had really had come about and really with Rails, the introduction of Rails and, you know, those were all of these precursors that you could certainly say, oh, well, these are Web 2.0, but I don't hear people calling them Web 2.0 anymore, right, or or even alluding to a Web 3.0. It, it's just the web. And so I, I think we're at that people need to add a name to something because it, it's different, as you said, from the, the original you know, vanilla state of Bitcoin. But now, my hope is that a year from now we're not talking about oh well there's the the v3 platforms you know it's really just crypto platforms in general and uh, what the value that they bring based on their feature sets on their stability on their security models um, and you know really the ease of use I mean what you just touched on with it being difficult to to engender adoption because it's difficult to understand and I like to think that I'm technical enough person, you know, I certainly can't talk to you about the the underpinnings of cryptography, but you know, trying to explain to somebody why they should trust, you know, using uh, a cryptocurrency is very difficult right now because it's filled with with loaded terms and, you know, I think that those will go away over time um, and we can get to the point that we can explain it as simply as do you understand how your your banking system works when you you know take a picture of your check on your iPhone and it goes into your your checking account and when they say well no but I trust that it works you know that's what we need to get to so that we don't have to describe why cryptocurrency is important we can just show them that it works. I think uh, I think you've summed it up quite perfectly right there. Um... So I think that's everything that I, I wanted to cover and cover and more. So, um, well, thank you. Know, you. Th well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. I mean, it's uh, it's really great to be able to um, to get acquainted with No. It's been sitting there for a long time on my uh, on my to do list, and and you've been a really great guide. And I'm sure everyone uh, listening to this interview is uh, is going to be really appreciative as well. So thanks for your time, Ben. Well, thank you very much, Arthur. Uh, yeah, I I think the only pitch I can give is that if anyone's interested in in learning more or debating the merits of, you know, the the community at, at discuss.newbits.com is very open, uh, very pragmatic, and, and definitely um, 
ready to hear things, you know, both positive and negative. So please, I you know, ask that uh, people people join us over there and um, just help us continue to build things. What's the new bits webpage? Newbits.com, N-U-B-I-T-S.com. So you can get your your wallets there. Um, you know, we are continually updating the the wallet and and pushing new versions up there. You can learn about you know new through the white paper. Um, there's FAQs, and uh, coming up hopefully very soon there will be a lot more analytic type information. Um, you'll be able to see parking rates. You'll be able to see kind of real time status of liquidity. Uh, and then if the block explorer is at blockexplorer.new, so pretty simple to uh, to get to anything that we have there. We have developer docs that we're building out. Um, at docs.newbits.com and uh, lots of community stuff that you can link off from all of those. Cool. If you, if you, yeah, I guess if you want to buy Newbits um, right now, the, you know, all, down at the bottom of the newbits.com, you can uh, check out the links to all of our exchanges. So we've had uh, great partnerships with CCDK and Better for a long time. Um, and, uh, and we've got some new ones that are coming on that we're very happy to have as well. Thanks for listening, guys. Cesis provided the tunes. For the Let's Talk Bitcoin listeners, the magic word is please. All relevant links are in the notes. Reach me at beyondbitcoinshow at gmail.com. <laughs>